Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today we're going to hop right into the Bible and we are going to talk about discipleship. Can somebody say discipleship? Discipleship. So Pastor Don asked me to come to talk about this very, very important topic, which I'm elated to do because, well, um, I think discipleship is the priority of the church. I think it is the most important thing we can do as a church family. As a matter of fact, I am so passionate about discipleship that, well, I wrote a book about discipleship called, well, this is real creative. Y'all ready for this real fancy name? The Discipleship Book. Y'all see what I did. That was super creative. But we, I wrote this book for our, our church family. I'm going to talk about that more here in just a second. But here's what I want you to do. I want you guys, if you will, just to stand up on your feet because I'm going to read the Word of God. How many of y'all love the Word of God? Five of you. Come on. How many of y'all love the Word of God? So I'm going to read the Word. And as we stand, this is just a standing in honor of Jesus' words. And uh, of course, last Sunday we celebrated Easter. And we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 28. This is after the resurrection. Jesus calls his disciples to himself. And here is what Jesus says. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Here's what the risen Lord has to say. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples, that is learners, students, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the, you say it, of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, this is the great promise, I am with you always, listen church, Jesus is with you always through the valley of the shadow of death, through every obstacle you will ever face, he is with you even to the end of the age. All right, if somebody got it right there. He is with you through it all. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. If you're comfortable, I want you to lift your hands and I'm going to pray. Father, right now, Lord, we thank you for, Lord, this great commission, Lord, this great word, this great promise, Lord, that you're going to be with us to the end of the age. And Lord, this morning, I pray that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds, that Lord, you would, God, give us the ability to understand what the Spirit of God is saying. And so, Lord, I pray against every obstacle, Lord, every obstruction, anything and everything that would stand in our way, Lord, to, to hearing, seeing, and embracing what you have for us, Jesus. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would renew us. I pray for courage, and I pray for hope. I pray, God, for a new passion for the things of God in our hearts and in our lives, from the youngest all the way to the oldest. And Lord, today we thank you, Jesus. You are the King. You're the risen Lord. We love you, and we adore you. We can't get enough of you today, God. And so we lift our hands, we lift our hearts to you, and we pray all these things in the big, incredible, awesome name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, y'all. Amen. Give Jesus some praise if you believe his word. Come on, give him some praise if you're ready to hear his word. All right, well, turn to somebody, give him a fist bump like that, and go ahead and have 
a seat. All right, well, here's, here's what's going on in this passage. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Here's what's basically going on. Um, come on, do, do I have any Saints fans in the house? Well, that's kind of weak. Come on, any Saints fans? LSU, all right. Well, here's, here's kind of what's going on. Jesus is about to go to the Father. He, he'd been resurrected from death. And here we see Jesus calling his disciples into a huddle. Calling the saints, like Drew Brees, into a huddle. And of all the things that Jesus could have shared with his disciples, I mean, think about all the different things he could have said. He calls his disciples into this huddle, and he gives them some plays to run. How many of y'all know when Jesus, the Son of God, gives you some plays to run, you better run them? How many of y'all know he's the best coach? <laughs> he's the best coordinator. He knows exactly what the Father wants. And so Jesus, he calls the disciples into a holy huddle. He calls the saints into this holy huddle. And he basically tells them, listen, guys, here's what I want you to do. Here's the play I want you to run. I, I want you to go short. I want you to reach people around you. I want you to reach your fellow Jews. But, but I also want you to go where? I want you to go long. I want you to go deep. I want you to reach those in your neighborhood. But I want you to just make disciples of not just your nation, but how many nations? All nations. And so he's saying, I want you to go short, but then I want you to go long. I want you basically to go out into the world and do for others what I've been doing for you. Are y'all getting the picture? So I don't want you to get too comfortable, and we'll go to Acts a little bit when I say this. I don't want you to get too comfortable in, in Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the, come on, some of y'all know the word of God, to the end of the earth. But this is the, the Matthean way of saying here the great commission is that I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. And, and the key word here is I want you to go. I want you to go, and I want you to baptize men and women as you go. I want you to baptize believers, and, and here's the key, verse 20. I want you to teach people to obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, this is called the Great Commission. Can y'all say that with me? The Great, the Great Commission. But as I read this and I look out today at American church culture, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm just telling you the truth. From my vantage point, the great commission has become the great suggestion. The great commission has become the great omission. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Scott? Well, here's what I mean by that. How many of y'all love this building? How many of y'all appreciate this building? If you don't, some people in the Middle East would love to have it. <laughs> some people in China would love to have this building. But we have this beautiful building. And by the way, I was, I was sinning during worship. Pastor John, I was coveting your screen. I need a screen like that. I love this screen. I love the building over at Midtown. Uh, we've got an older building. It's been, uh, it's been redone. And it, it's great. It's fine. But as we look around, I look around today, I'm like, man, this is a phenomenal place. You got, man, y'all got, you know, ushers and y'all got greeters, you got security teams, like y'all rolled out the red carpet, and like this place is excellent. How many of y'all know you got some excellent leaders in this church? And listen, listen carefully. Our heart is to roll out the red carpet, especially for the lost. Are y'all with me? 
You say, well, do you want to be seeker sensitive, Pastor Scott? Yes, in this sense, that, that we want to roll out the red carpet. I, I, I call them this in, in Midtown, the nasty and they know it, the broken, the down and out, the people who are far away from God. If for whatever reason they come here, we're not going to water down the message, but we do want to make it easy for them to come and hear the word of God. And some of you have, have benefited from that hospitality. Are, are y'all with me? That, that there is a sense in which that we are an attractional church, that we want to be attractive. We want to be hospitable. And, and we're this way here, we're this way in Midtown, and Lafayette, and Bruce are all the way across. We do want people to come and see. We want people to come and hear. Are y'all tracking? But listen carefully. There are churches like this one all over America. We've got big, huge churches like the one that Rick Warren pastors. Incredible, incredible church. Chris Hodges, big mega churches, incredible facilities. We, we, we see, did I say something wrong? Y'all shut me off? I said Chris Hodges and somebody almost shut the power off on me. Track with me. We've got all these incredible buildings and all these attractional services. You know, you, you get folk up here in the skinny jeans on the base and the, the smoke comes out. And, you know, back, back in Dallas where I used to pastor, I mean, some of the churches there were like, like, I feel like just like a, like I'm among all these giants. I mean, some of the churches, they're like, their, their kids' programs were so incredible. You'd walk into some churches, it was like six flags over Jesus. And like, that's the norm in Dallas. And how many of y'all know that there's nothing wrong with having all of this? But listen to me carefully. If you look at the statistics, if you look at the numbers, America is becoming less Christian every day. Did you know that? That America is becoming less Christian every day in spite of our mega churches, in spite of the, our fancy come and see services, which are all good. America is becoming less Christian every single day. You say, Pastor Scott, why is that the case? Well, there's a lot I could say about it, but here's what I want to throw out for you today. I believe that in my experience and what I see that the American church has become more interested in cases at times in drawing spectators who come and sit instead of making disciples who go and tell. Are y'all tracking? I'm not saying that every church is that way. I don't want to overstate my case. But what I'm saying is, I think in America, we've done a good job of creating environments where people come and see. I'm not convinced that we have been able to equip the saints to go out and tell. How many of y'all know it's not just about coming to church, but it's about taking church to people. Come on, it's not just about the church, it's about the kingdom of God. And so in this hour, Jesus is calling us back to the huddle. He's calling us back to the play that he gave his disciples almost 2,000 or right at 2,000 years ago. But here's what's alarming. A recent poll reveals that 82% of American churchgoers either, check this out, either had never heard of the Great Commission or didn't know what it means. 82%. I mean, that's alarming, isn't it? And for me, I look at this, and again, the Great Commission 
has become the great omission. It has been taken out. But in this hour, Jesus is calling us back to the playbook. Come on, y'all, back to the word of God, back to what he said to do. And if we will run the play, if we will take the ball of the word of God, I promise that no demon in hell will stop us. The devil can't stop us. The world can't stop us. Come on, y'all. We got the word of God. We're empowered by the spirit of God. So we're going to come and we're going to see, but come on, can we get equipped to go and tell? I think that's what Jesus wants us. I know that's what Jesus wants us to do. So lean in carefully on this. Jesus is raising up an end times army of men and women who are serious about making disciples. But check this out. In order to make disciples, well, you first have to be a disciple. In order to make them, how many of y'all know you have to actually be one? In order to make them, you got to be one. And I want you to know this morning that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, today, if you're not a disciple, you can become one. You say, Pastor Scott, what is a disciple? Like you're throwing this word around, disciple. Let me, let me define it for you. What is a disciple? Here's how I define it. I mean, you can go on Google, and you're going to get all kinds of different definitions. Let me give you the right one. All right, y'all ready? I'm teasing. This is just mine. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, learns from Jesus, and imitates Jesus in attitude and in action. Is that simple enough? So here's Jesus. Someone who follows Jesus. Jesus, wherever you're going, I'm going. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't matter. I'm going anyway. How many of y'all know Abraham, he went. He didn't know where he was going, but God had called him, so he went. How many of y'all know the Christian life is not sight, it's faith. Jesus, you're leading the way. If you're leading the way, I'm going to follow. But I'm not just going to follow. I'm going to also, as, as I follow, yes, I'm going to follow, but I'm going, I'm going to follow your footprints in the spirit, and I want to learn from you, and I want your word to get in me, and as your word gets in me, the word will come out of me, someone who follows, someone who learns, and then Jesus, it's, this is your attitude, Jesus, you're so incredible, as Don said, you're the champion, I, 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 I want to be like you, I want to talk like you, I want to think, I want to act, I want to respond like Jesus. How many of y'all know Jesus is the point of it all? He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, there's nobody like Jesus. Are y'all with me today? Come on, there's nobody like him. And so the Christian's heart should be, Jesus, I'm going to follow. Jesus, I want, I want to learn from you. And Jesus, I want to imitate you in every area of my life. So you can be a spectator who comes to church and sits, or you can become a disciple who follows Jesus, learns from him, and imitates him so you can go and tell. I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. And the good news is that anybody can be a disciple. That is, if you're willing to do two things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, you've got to answer the call. You've got to answer the call. What do you mean by that, Pastor Scott? Well, in the Gospels, we see Jesus calling people to follow him on numerous occasions. Let me give you five examples. In John 1, Jesus calls Andrew and an unnamed disciple to become his spiritual followers. In Matthew 4, Jesus calls Andrew, Peter, James, and John to leave their profession 
and to follow him, to become fishers of men. In Luke 5, Jesus tells the disciples that they will be catching men as they follow him. In Matthew 9, Jesus calls Matthew to leave tax collecting and to follow him. In Matthew 10, Jesus calls the 12 disciples and then he gives them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal uh, every disease and every affliction. How many of y'all know the life of following Jesus is never boring if you answer the call? He called men, and not just men, but he called women. He called people to follow him. And what I love about these episodes, I can't read them all, but what I love here is that, notice this. When Jesus initially called his, his, his original three and 12, notice this. He did not call the best and the brightest. He didn't call the, the rich necessarily and the respectable. How many of y'all know Jesus loves them too? If you're the best and the brightest, the, you're rich and you're respectable, we love you. But I want you to see something with Jesus. He didn't start there. He didn't start with that demographic. Who did he start with? He started with fishermen. Ordinary men. Ordinary people. He started there. You know, I'm so glad that he started with ordinary people because, come on, y'all, I think if we're all honest in here, thank you for that kind introduction, Pastor Don, but none of us are really that good. Aren't you glad that God chooses to call the foolish people of the world to confound the wise? Jesus calls the weak and then he makes them strong and so that at the end of the day, your life is a sign and a wonder for his glory so that he alone gets the credit in your life. He called them and they they weren't at the top of society They were just ordinary men, and he called them, though, into an extraordinary relationship to do extraordinary things. Pastor Don mentioned my credentials. It is true. I have several doctorates, and I was in school 13 years, and I'm just kind of nerdy like that. But some of you from the Broussard campus, you know the, the rest of the story. Come on, Paul Harvey. The rest of the story, I grew up in a Christian home, but rebelled against what I knew for many years. It started in middle school, and then into high school, this this is true to this day, that I believe to this day, I still hold the record for the amount of days skipped at my high school. True story. One year, I didn't even buy my Algebra 2 book until the second month of the semester. My mom, bless you, she's in heaven, thank you mom, she wrote me notes to get me out of school so I could go fishing. Listen to me carefully. I skip school weekly. Now, here's the truth. I loved chemistry. Any chemistry people in here? Three? Okay, four? Okay. I loved chemistry. I loved mixing drinks and substances. I love math, Pastor Don. I love counting the beers that I drank, the parties that I went to, and the days that I skipped. I kept a meticulous record of my disobedience to God. And in those days, I remember I had, I had a teacher in school tell me, she said, you are the worst student that's ever gone to this school. I'm like, wow. <laughs> what do you say to that? I skipped more school, and I barely graduated high school because it's not that I went to school and tried. I just didn't go to school. Why? 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 But, because I was too busy fishing. <laughs> I was too busy hunting, and I was too busy drinking, and I was an absolute disaster as a young person. 
And if you're scanning the, the, the audience and you're, you're looking for some people who are going to change the world, I promise you would have not chosen me. Some of you can connect with this. Because maybe by the world standards, maybe, maybe you've struck out so many times. Maybe you don't feel like you're that good at anything. Maybe you feel like you're just a failure. Listen to me. Maybe you feel that way, and maybe that's been your reality. But when Jesus gets a hold of you, he makes all things brand new. And 20 years ago, Jesus called me. And when he called me, I heard his voice through the preaching of the word, by the power of the spirit. And I dropped that beer can. I dropped my fishing pole. And I dropped what I'd been carrying. And I started following the son of man. And I've never looked back since. Come on, y'all. And two master's degrees and two doctorates later, the devil is a liar. Come on, let God be proven true and every man a liar. When God calls you, it doesn't matter how far down you've been, where you've been, what you've done, he makes all things brand new. Come on, do I have any witnesses today? You know it from your life. And if you don't know it yet, you will, because you're going to get a testimony to the amazing grace of God as you lay down your nets, as you lay down your sin, and you pick up that call and you follow him in his grace. Because listen to me, when I said yes to Jesus, he removed my sin and my shame. And when I said yes to him, I said yes to God, I said yes to purpose, I said yes to greatness, to his definition of greatness. And like Abraham, I just went. And I followed. And I didn't do it perfectly, but I did it consistently. I followed him. And today I'm a pastor. Today I'm a professor. Who would have ever thought? I, have, I get messages from people from high school saying, you're a what? <laughs> they knew me as something. That, you're a what? I've had so many contact me and say, how did that happen? Answer, God. Come on, there's one answer. And it's always the right answer with your children. with anybody. Jesus. God, if you want to say, he's the answer. Come on, how many of y'all know he's the answer? To it all. He's the answer. And so, there's a call going out today. Jesus isn't physically present. But he is present to the preaching of the word. And he's calling you. Not just to come to church. Sure, do that to follow him but here's what you got to do you got to answer the call but number two lord have mercy you better count the cost because make no mistake there is a cost to following jesus there were many things in my life that i had to give up to follow jesus because the gospel is not just God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. The gospel essentially is come and die. <laughs> come and die. And if you die to yourself, you'll live for God. Pretty simple, huh? Simple but not easy, right? Well, some of Jesus' first words here, if not the very first words here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 are as follows. Jesus said this, repent. Everybody say repent. Say it one more time, Repent. Now, some of us have an allergic reaction to that word. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, and, and to obedience, right? You hear obedience, you're like, mm, let's go to grace. I like the grace. You know, some people kind of treat grace like cane sauce, you know. 
If you have a bad meal, you put cane sauce on any meal, and it makes it good. Some people treat grace like that. How many of y'all know God's grace? Yes, it involves forgiveness, but it also it involves God changing you so that you actually become like Jesus. Oh, now we're talking about something a little bit different. But here, Jesus says, repent. Now, this word is often misunderstood, but the word means, if you're taking notes, write this down, a change of mind that leads to and translates into a change in direction. Did y'all get that? A change of what? That leads to a change in? Yeah. So it's basically like Jesus is saying, hey, y'all. He didn't say y'all, but hey, y'all. The kingdom of God is at hand. And by the way, the king is here. How many of y'all know Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? The king is here. And it's like he's saying that if you want to be a part of the kingdom, that entrance is by repentance. That if you want to be involved in the kingdom and what the king is doing, then you have to turn around. You've been going the wrong way. You've been following the wrong people. If you want to get on board with what God's doing, then you must what? Repent. And, and repentance means, again, a change of mind and a change of what? Now, some of you from Bruce, you remember the story. Years ago, I used to have a lady, a parishioner, who, when I pastored there, she, she would call me regularly, and she would give me little updates about her life. And on one occasion, she called me, she said, she said, Pastor Scott, I just got to testify. And I go, you, you, you go for it, girl. Tell me what the Lord has done. And she said, she said well, you know, Pastor Scott, I was doing so bad. I was doing so poorly. But the Lord broke out of my life and started doing miracles. And I'm getting fired up driving down the street, listening to her. And she said, I was doing so poorly. But I want you to know, since that time, I have done a complete 360. It'll, it'll catch her in a minute. It's like the wave. It'll go. Now, even if you fail geometry, you know that if you're doing bad and then you turn all the way around, what are you back to? I didn't correct her. I just let it go. How many of y'all know? Sometimes you just got to let it go. I knew what she meant. But see, some people treat repentance like that. It's like we're just doing this. Like we want to do good, but then we're back to where we were. Repentance is not a 360. It's if you're going the wrong way. Repentance is I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to leave sin. I'm going to leave the darkness because all it's produced is death in my life. Death is there. It's all it has for you. You get the revelation. You're like, no, I'm going to Jesus. Whatever Jesus has, I'm going to him. Come on, y'all. That's repentance. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. We come to church and we say, we're sorry. If you're, you're, how many of y'all grew up Catholic? I don't even know why I asked the question. Everybody, you know, almost everybody. You go to the confessional. You say you're sorry. Then what do you go back to do? Many times the same thing. How many of y'all have ever said to God, I'll never do that again? Okay, y'all got to help me a little bit. How many of y'all have said, I'll never do that again? Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you meant it. Okay? No, the hands are good. Yeah. Raise your hand if, like, the next day you did it again. Yeah, we're, we're all guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of direction. And it is you breaking every allegiance and every alliance that betrays the cause of Christ. And that's not just little sins, per se, we commit. But it's a way of thinking. There are relationships. There's a way of life that you got to say, you know what? 
I'm not following you any longer because the king and his kingdom have come and I love my time with you, but today I'm breaking this thing off and you start following the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you do, take it from someone who knows you will never, ever regret it. Come on, we got to break it. Turn to the king. Jesus says here, repent. But before we turn, or I should say, as we turn, we, we, we've got to count the cost. Listen, listen to what Jesus said in Luke 14, beginning in verse 25. He says, uh, Matthew says this, now great crowds accompanied Jesus. Check this out, great crowds. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, you're not supposed to hate your parents' children. We have to... The, the Ten Commandments are very true. We are to honor. But the point here is that, that your love for them must be secondary. That the love that you have for God must be primary. He must be above all. Which here doesn't really mean much, but in the Middle East it really does. Because there are Muslims converting to Christianity. And in many cases, it means if I've got my family, my family tradition, or Jesus. How many of y'all know there's a price to pay there? when they choose Jesus. But he says here, you cannot be my disciple unless this is true. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Verse 29, otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Right. Now, to be clear, the cross represents death. Jesus died for your sins on the cross, and there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Nothing. Come on. Right before Jesus died, he said in Greek, to die, it is finished. Amen. But check it out. Jesus died for you. And when he died, he died to save you from something, but he also died to save you for something. Not just from, but for. A relationship with God. And here, Jesus is saying, you've got to count the cost. In other words, you've got to think about what you're going to have to give up to follow Jesus. Following Jesus might mean that you have to give up some friends. Some of y'all have some friends who are just pulling you the wrong way. And you love them, you love them, you pray for them, but there comes a time when you gotta say that you are canceling your subscription to their issues. Y'all get that? I'm not going to let you drag me in the wrong direction any longer. There comes a time when your relationship with Jesus will demand 
that you leave that pornography, that you leave that sin, and Jesus is going to put his finger on things in your life, and you're going to have to put it all on one side and, and count the cost because you have sin on one side and you have Jesus on the other. And there's some people that they start following Jesus, but they don't realize it. To follow him, you've got to crucify the flesh, and you've got to give up all the darkness and the sin in your life. Listen to me. You can have the presence of God, or you can have the pleasure of sin, but you can't have both at the same time. Are you with me? You can have either, okay? You can have the pleasures of sin, or you can have the presence of God, but you can't have both. You can't have both. So it costs you something. You have to look at what the world has to offer. Then you're going to have to look at what Jesus has to offer. But come on, y'all, the man or the woman born again by the Spirit of God no longer sees Jesus as just a man. We see him as the God-man, the King of kings, the Lord of all lords. And when you see Jesus for who he is and you look at what you have to give up, come on, y'all, you don't even have to think about it any longer because, listen to me, if you gain Jesus, you get him, you get everything. But if you gain the world and you lose Christ, you've lost it all. Are y'all with me today? You can gain the world, riches, and all the things of this world, notoriety, all the likes, all the loves. You can get all that. But if you don't get Christ, you've lost it. The game's over. So there's a price to pay. There's no price to pay to come and spectate. But there is a price to pay to go walk out of this place in obedience. Motivated by the grace of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, but going out of this place, dying to ourselves. Dying. Paul said, I'll die daily. But as we begin to land the plane, here's what I want you to see. There's a call. Everybody say call. There will be a cost. It will cost you something. It's a different price for different people. There's a call and there's a cost. But discipleship happens in a specific context. You say, I get it, Pastor Scott. I'm a disciple. It means I'm a follower, I'm a learner, and I'm an imitator of Jesus. Got it, got it, good. How do I, how do I, how do I do that? Well, as mentioned, it happens in a context, the context of community and a context of relationships. That's where discipleship takes place. Because check this out, discipleship is not a program. We are not about to, Pastor Don is not about to launch a program. How many of y'all know programs come and they go? Discipleship is not a program. It is a process of becoming a mature follower, learner, and imitator of Jesus. And this happens in the context of relationships and in the past here at this campus and other campuses we've had small groups raise your hand if you've been in a small group before raise your hand if you grew in the small group freedom groups especially they're just off the charts incredible Jesus has ne- he never calls you to grow on your own it's never just you and your Bible all alone he has called us to grow together I mean, if y'all know, iron sharpens iron. And I'm so excited. Are you coming up to play? Make me sound a little more spiritual? 
How many of y'all, come on, this brother can play, come on. God, you're good. You're so good. Check this out. We're getting ready to land the plane. Check this out. Discipleship happens in relationships. That's the context. And, and Pastor Don shared, y'all, y'all are about to start your, your discipleship groups here. And I'm so encouraged by that. Because as mentioned, um, I did write a book. Did y'all hear? Did I mention that? It's called the... Now listen to me. I know what some of you are thinking. He's trying to sell that book so he can get rich. I promise that's never going to happen. Because we're charging $5 for the book. I love the Word of God so much. I love that book called the Bible so much that I wrote a book about the book. I want y'all to be real honest with me. Am I okay on time, Pastor Don? Okay. I got another hour. Is that what you said? No. No, no. Listen. Raise your hand if you, especially back when you first started your journey with Jesus, if you started a journey that you opened your Bible because you knew it was the right thing to do. (laughs) And you opened to Leviticus or some random place. And you tried your hardest to understand but after about two verses, you're like, all right, let's just pray. <laughs> just, baby, read John 3, 16 to me, you know. Raise your hand if the Bible's a little confusing when you first started your journey. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, like, I thought it'd be more. Come on, was it, was, it, was it a little confusing? Let me see your hands. Be honest, up in the balcony, up in nosebleed. Okay, yeah, I see a few, okay. So I get it. And that's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book. And this is a book that's going to help you get in the book. In this book, I ask questions like, who is Jesus? Then I give you the verse. And as you're doing the book, you're going to read the question, you're going to look at the verse, and then you're going to go not to me or to Pastor Don per se, but you're going to go to where? The book. And you're going to see what the book has to say, what the book says about that question. Are you with me? And so I've guided you through the book, asking questions, giving you the verses, and the aim is for you to ultimately get in the book. Because how many of y'all know, if the Bible, if the Bible, the book gets in you, then that book will transform you. And it's not just about being a hearer or a reader of the word, but becoming a doer of the word. So we want small groups to continue. We want you to fellowship, but we want to give you a common resource so that when you get together in the context of relationships, you can do it together. You can get in the book. And as you get in this book, this book's going to take you to the book. How many of y'all know renewal and revival is here because people are running back to the book? If you don't believe me, just ask Josiah. Going back to the book. Back to the Word of God. Yeah, I give you some of my commentary in this, but the best thing that you can read are the words from the book known as the Bible. And you share the Word in your group. You teach the Word in your group. You learn the Word in your group. And your mind gets renewed. Come on, y'all. We got that stinking thinking. Old, unrenewed ways. You get in that word, and that word washes your mind. People say, you Christians, you're just brainwashed. One million percent. We are washed in the blood, washed by the word of God, cleansed on the inside. 
cleansed and made brand new by his word. Come on, y'all. We have been brainwashed by the water of the word that cleanses us. Oh, I just love that imagery, just cleansing us. Washing out the filth of the word, of the world rather, getting it out of our heads. You're going to do this in groups together. It could be a couple. It could be five, six, seven, eight, I don't know, small group. I'll let Pastor Don talk about that in more detail. But as we conclude, here's what I want you to see. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Listen carefully. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, and say it with me. What's it say? Does them. Will be like a wise man who built his house on the on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, scholars tell us that during the hot summer months that the sand around the Sea of Galilee was hard on the surface. The sand was hard. So you'd come up on the sand during that time of the year and you'd, you'd want to build a house or a structure and you'd feel, you'd feel the surface and that sand felt like it was hard enough to build a house upon that area. But, but, but a wise man, a wise man would know that, no, 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 this just appears to be solid. A wise man knew that he had to dig below the surface to get down to the bedrock. And once he reached the bedrock, then he could build his house upon the rock. How many of y'all know, as a church, if we're going to be disciples and make disciples, then we got we to gotta dig below the surface. We got to get into the Word of God. We got to get into His Word. And when we find the Word, past the fluff, into the Word, we stand on the rock of Jesus' Word. And listen to me, when you stand on His Word, it doesn't matter if it's a pandemic, it doesn't matter if it's cancer, it doesn't matter what comes your way when your life is built on the rock. Come on y'all you will stand through every storm through the wind it's gonna blow things are gonna happen but you will stand strong say pastor scott what are you asking me to do dig below the surface don't just be a sunday morning person only get into a discipleship group get with other believers dig below the surface get to the rock and build your marriage on the rock build your finances on the rock Build your eternity on the rock. And you will stand. You will stand. Some people look at you and they say, how did you make it through 2020? And you got so much joy on you. I stood on the rock. I just had a firm place to stand. Oh, the wind blew and storms came and it hurt some people, killed some people. It was awful for many people in 2020. But many of you, you're here today and you're standing because your life was not built upon a preacher. Your life was not built upon somebody else. Your life was not built upon worldly things. Your life was built upon 
the rock. What is discipleship? Building your life on Jesus, the rock. But it's not just hearing the word. It's obeying the word. One of the greatest things, parents, you can ever do. One of the greatest things your children will ever behold is your obedience to Jesus. Because I'm the type, I like to geek out, nerd out, get out the commentaries and gather people. And let's, let me teach you the word. Let me, let's get into the Greek text. Let me show the participle. I have that tendency there's a place for that. But how many of y'all know teaching them to obey is not just a classroom setting where we're going through and I'm sharing propositional truth. It is that. It can be that. I'm teaching you right now. But how many of y'all know some things are better caught than taught? In other words, yeah, you're still going to learn. You're still going to be teaching. But one of the greatest ways that you can teach people to obey is by you setting the example of obeying yourself. So if you go play basketball in your discipleship group and you're the leader and your team ends up losing, then how many of you know you can set a Christ-like example in the way that you lose? Because how many of y'all know Jesus would never lose at basketball? But you will. Your response to losing. I'm talking about the nitty-gritty. I'm not talking about the Sunday morning version of you where hands are up. I'm talking about people walking with you in day-to-day life and not seeing perfection, but seeing consistent obedience in your life. And when they see that, you know what it says to them? That your Jesus is worth living for and even dying for. Are you all with me? Obedience. Teaching them to obey. Oh, man, and along the way, as people follow you, they get in your group, they are going to see you mess up. But I'll quote our, our senior pastor, Pastor Jacob. If you cannot lead by example, lead by repentance. We have to teach one another how to fail well. Did y'all get that? Because I don't want to set the standard so high, higher than Jesus, where you're like, I have to obey all Yeah, you, but you're going to fall. You're going to mess up. You can get born again here on a Sunday. Be 50 years old, born again. To have all kinds of worldly wisdom, but be a, not even a day old in the spirit. How many of y'all know discipleship is not a program. It's a process of becoming, of becoming a mature follower, learner, and imitator of Jesus. we got to grow up together. And this is the context in which to do it. Jesus is calling us back to the book. He's calling us to run the play. And right now, I want to minister to you for just a minute. As I've been preaching, some of you have been really taking inventory. You've been looking in your own life and your own soul. And I want you, if you will, with me right now, just close your eyes with me. Bow your heads. I just want to let the Holy Spirit minister for just a minute. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your grace. So, so much grace in this place. God, thank you for an incredible, incredible group of people here, Father. And Lord, right now, I pray for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit 
Holy Spirit, intensify your presence right now. Intensify your presence. Lord, right now I pray for my friends here at the 9 a.m. service. I pray right now that you would break their hearts for what breaks yours. And Lord, right now I pray for such a compelling vision of what it means to follow you from the preaching of the word that right now, Lord, that the answer would be yes. Jesus, the answer is yes. Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to lay it all down for you. We want to follow you because we know that what we gain is infinitely greater than what we give up. And with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I want to ask you a question. And no one's looking around. This is just between you and God. Some of you have been coming to church maybe for weeks, months, or perhaps even years. You've been coming here. But the truth is, you know this from your own life. You, you've, never, you've never entered into a, a relationship with Jesus, a discipleship relationship. Maybe you followed somebody here to church and you've been coming just being a spectator, but you've never made the decision to lay it all down, to lay down your nets and to follow Jesus. Well, today, today the grace of God is here and it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how far away you've been, today can be the day when you begin that relationship, when you start following him. And if you're here right now and your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, you say, Pastor Scott, I wanna start following him. I want to lay it all down. I'm sick of my sin. I'm sick of the darkness. I'm sick of this life that I've been living. It's empty. It's dark. It's stale. It's dry. And I want the life of God. And I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you just to slip up your hand. No one's going to embarrass you or, or look around and, and call you out. This is just between you and God. On the count of three, you say, Pastor Scott, I'm, I'm in today. I'm in. I'm going to drop my nets and follow him. If that's you, on the count of three. One, two, three. Slip your hand up right now. Slip your hand up right now. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? You say, Pastor God, I'm all in today. Anybody in the balcony? I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, you can put your hands down. Well, today, if you want to begin that relationship, you want to start following Jesus, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. This prayer doesn't save you. There's nothing magical about the prayer. This is just your confession. This is your confession. And maybe some of you prayed this maybe years ago, but this is you confessing Jesus for who he is, for all that he is. It's you saying, Jesus, I want you. Because to be a follower of Jesus, it means this, that you believe in him and you believe that what he says is true and you're willing to stake your life and your eternity on him. So come on, New Iberia campus. I want you to say this, everyone here to say this prayer with me as we say it with those who had their hands lifted. And I want you to say this boldly. You can just repeat after me. Say this, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that on the cross, come on, say it boldly. And I believe on the cross, you took my sin, you took my shame and my guilt and you died for me. Say this with me. And I believe you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven purpose on earth and a relationship with your father say this with me boldly today Lord Jesus I turn from sin to follow you with all my heart no matter what it costs me and I declare that God is my father Jesus is my savior the Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is now my home. 
in Jesus' name we pray.